Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme and I can see from some of the texts coming in it's to do with the story I mentioned when I was teeing up the programme with Ken and this is a story from Dogs Trust who are appealing for foster homes after nearly 300 dogs have been surrendered after Christmas. The charity say they have received 297 surrender cases. The surrender cases started to come in started coming in the day after Christmas Day and right through to the end of January. They say that's a 73% increase on the same period from uh, last year. And Kira Byrne of Dogs Trust Ireland is quoted in the papers today as saying, while many of the people who contacted them, uh, some are to do with extenuating circumstances. But she said, sadly, many people are saying they underestimated the commitment that dog ownership involves. And that just totally frustrates me because certainly on our radio programme here, radio stations all over the country, television programmes. You you would read, read countless newspaper articles saying to people in the lead up to Christmas, do not consider taking on a dog, particularly a puppy at Christmas time. You know, it might seem oh so idyllic. Your son or daughter dreams of getting a puppy and all children love the idea of getting a puppy. But Christmas time is just such a wrong time to get a puppy because there's so much going on in the household. There's so much excitement. You also need to do so much research to understand what is the commitment of taking on a little dog. Um, but Dogs Trust are pointing out that one of one of the reasons that people are surrendering dogs are to do with allergies. And, and obviously, if this happens, if somebody takes on a pet and they discover that somebody in the house is severely allergic to the animal, they have no choice but to get it rehomed. And at least they're, they're not just dumping the dog. They are going through, you know, recognised dog charities like Dogs Trust. And Kira in the papers today is explaining that a lot of these so-called breeders, dog breeders, will falsely advertise that dogs are hypoallergenic. And she says, but because people's allergies vary, the dog, there's no dog in the world can, can, you can advertise as being 100% hypoallergenic, even if it's a, a bred or crossbred not to shed very much. There isn't any dog that's going to come without any shedding of hair uh, at all. And they 
in the papers today is a picture of one dog, Maggie, who is a five-month-old spaniel puppy. Beautiful, beautiful dog. She was wrongly advertised as being a hyper hypoallergenic. She was also falsely advertised as being a poodle cross when in fact she's not. She's a, it looks like she's a, she is a purebred cocker spaniel. Her family thought that she'd be the perfect fit. They bought the dog, brought the dog home, but then allergies flared up with some of the household members and as a result, Maggie had to be surrendered to Dog's Trust. But then when Maggie was handed into Dog's Trust, it turns out she's a very nervous dog. So now they're questioning poor breeding. How was the dog? Did the dog come out of a puppy farm? And what environment was Maggie born into? And because of that, because Maggie is so fearful, the charity then had to get a foster home for her. Now she's been cared for in a, fo- in a foster home and the family hope to eventually adopt her, but they've got to wait and see uh, will that nervousness pass and uh, will she be suitable for the for the family. So, but they're putting out a call and they're asking people to come forward to be uh, foster uh, families and you can find out more via dogstrust.ie uh, forward slash fostering and that's of course is just one dog charity I'm assuming if we got on to any of the other dog charities uh, anywhere around the country they'll probably tell you a similar story that since they opened up after Christmas phone starts ringing we got a puppy read didn't realise how much work is involved. We want to surrender the puppy. And now we've got all these animal charities trying to find new homes. Now, some of your comments in on that. Firstly, uh, Mary uh, says uh, on the rescue homes like Dogs Trust and other uh, charities, uh, Mary isn't too impressed with these particular charities. She says, I know several people, she said, including myself, who were looking for a dog, but honestly, it's easier to go out and buy one from a breeder. The charities have charges that you have to pay. They want to see your house if it's suitable for a pet. I would love to take on a rescue dog, but it's so hard to deal with this shower. That's what Mary says. Now, the only thing I will say in the, in the defence of all of these dogs charities, including Dogs Trust, they have to be so careful when they are rehoming these dogs. I know people get very critical including Mary they don't like the idea of somebody coming out to check your house to make sure is your house suitable for a dog have you a garden where's the dog going to sleep and you know and asking all these questions and there has to be charges involved because these these are charities at the end of the day and there's a lot of charges in looking after the dog when these dogs come in, the care of the dogs the veterinary bills, they'll make sure they're vaccinated. I'm sure all dogs when they're given out for any of these dogs charities are also neutered so there is cost involved. I can understand that they can't just freely give these dogs uh, out and they have to make absolutely sure that it is a good home that the dog is going to. I mean if they had a system whereby anyone could ring up any Joe Bloggs could ring up and say, oh, I'll take the dog from you. You've no way of knowing what kind of a home is that dog going into. Is it going to be heading into somewhere like a puppy farm? Is it going to be used and bred for all kinds of other like dog fighting? You just have no idea. So I do understand why they have to be so so strict. But I can also then see Mary's side because Mary, you're not the first person who's contacted us like that and you probably have a great big heart and you'd probably give a dog a wonderful home but you just don't like the scrutiny that comes with it when you put yourself uh, forward. So I I can see it from both sides but but definitely I have a great understanding of why groups like Dogs Trust have to go to such 
much lengths to make sure that the home is the forever home for the animal because time and time again that can happen as well. Somebody can go and get a rescue animal and then they don't really understand the commitment. So I think the charities have learned over the years they want to make sure if they're giving this dog, this dog is getting a second chance in life that it is going to be there at for forever home. Thank you for your text to 0862 103 103. And Joe says, surely there ought to be more high profile campaigns. Start running them from September onwards, run them on radio and run them on TV cautioning people about getting dogs at Christmas. When many cannot see the work involved in looking after a dog, people need to be educated about the responsibility of dog ownership. What about sheep farmers who have had their sheep flock destroyed by dogs? Who is responsible? It is, of course, the dog owner, says uh, Joe. We need to have more education. And I don't know how many more campaigns can be done because certainly Dogs Trust were running lots of campaigns in the run up to Christmas, saying to people, you know, that a dog is not just for Christmas. A dog is for life. And I know to anybody listening who has a much loved dog with them now, probably maybe sitting on their lap or sitting with them in, in the kitchen, we look at a much-loved pet and could never understand anyone surrendering an animal. And we know the pain and the bereavement that families go through when a, when a much-loved dog or indeed any pet uh, passes away. So for you have, a, you have a large percentage of people who really do look after their pets and can never understand surrendering them. But then there are others who take on this responsibility of a dog ownership without really looking into uh, what it takes and an understanding of what it is to have. It's another member of your family. It has to be treated like another member of the family almost. Hi Patricia, interested in your comments about dogs. I would love to get a dog, says this uh, listener, but it is very expensive. Things like the very expensive dog licence fee, the chip expense and also the dreaded dog warden demanding proof of your licence. I live in North Cork and only last week I'd banging on my door. Yes, the dog warden demanding my dog licence. I don't have a dog. But he still handed me a red piece of paper explaining all the rules. Maybe this is putting people off getting a lovely dog but a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. Uh, Thanking uh, you. Well, I suppose if you had a dog and you had your dog licence, you could just show it to the dog warden and he would be gone on his merry way. I don't know how often dog wardens are calling around to particular areas. But that got me thinking when you said that the dog licence is very expensive. How much is a dog licence at the moment? A dog license, An individual dog licence is €20 Euro valid for a year. You can get a lifetime dog licence. I wasn't aware of that. And that costs €140 Euro and is valid for the dog's life. So if your dog lives longer than seven years, that certainly is a good investment. But a dog licence is €20. Euro. I didn't realise that that's how much uh, it was. Anyway, is anybody else put off by that? The fact that the dog licence is €20 a year and then to get the chip and then, yeah, well, that's a lot to do with the commitment. If you do take on a dog, there is an expense attached to it outside of the dog licence. The chip is is a one-off. But then there's veterinary bills and, you know, as dogs get older, you're certainly going to have more and more uh, reason to be calling to the vet and that does come with a cost as well but that's why when people are deciding to take on a dog you need to look at the long term commitment of it and how often on our 
pet corner with uh, Jane Pickett which by the way is on today we hear of dogs living to ripe old ages I think only last week somebody was on about their 15 year old dog so you know a well looked after dog can be a part of your family for many many years 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text you can WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group from Motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. A number of upsetting incidents have prompted a well-known Cork undertaker to urge people to revive the traditions of pausing for and giving way to a hearse and the family cars travelling behind. To find out more, Finbar O'Connor, Managing Director of O'Connor Brothers Funeral Home at North Gate Bridge, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Finbar. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And I'm so glad that you're bringing up this because this is one of my huge, huge bugbears, I have to say. Can you share the recent examples that you personally witnessed of people simply not respecting a funeral cortege? The first one was uh, I was in my own car in front of the hearse um, with the family cars behind the hearse. We came to a mini roundabout and even though we don't have automatic right of way, I rolled on my window and I just motioned to a car coming from the right hand side to slow down just to allow us to proceed through the junction. He totally and utterly ignored me and literally I'd say if, if there was a foot in it, it was a lot. Nearly took the front of my car off. That was the first. The second then was a very similar uh, roundabout. A taxi driver um, came into the roundabout and came between the hearse and the family car behind. Um, Followed the hearse and turned off about 30 metres after. And the third one, which was, I think, most upsetting for the family was the Bandon Road roundabout. We had come through that. We were heading to Chetwind, which is on the Bandon Road. And as you know, outside Dunn Stores, two lanes merge into one. Yeah. And uh, this opportunist driver saw a small gap and pulled in between the second and third family cars. Uh, because of the reduced speed that we were travelling at, uh, the driver, the opportunist driver, if I can call him that, uh, put his hand on the horn and kept it there, urging the cars in front, come on, move on, oh, drive faster. please. And, so, he, and that driver could clearly see there was a hearse up on... Clearly, clearly. Actually, actually it's funny because it reminds me, I was travelling to West Cork uh, one day and I ended up in a long, long line of cars with a horse well, well up in front that were travelling very slowly and they were obviously passing the homestead because they stopped. Yes. I got into the travelling along at 20 miles an hour, didn't bother me. I realised I, there was nothing I could do. But I mean, I, in, in absolutely no way would I have bipped the horn. I, did I even consider it an inconvenience that if anything, I was almost feeling apologetic that I had gotten into all of the other cars. I totally understand. But like the, the, the ignorance of it. And your family, you've been in the funeral business for, for many, many years. 135 uh, 135. Years. Uh, what were the old traditions when someone saw a hearse approach? 
Well, you might have, if I can call them spotters, that um, you might have somebody standing outside the pub or outside the shop or just after coming out of the shop and they might just stick their head back in, there's a hearse coming up the road and automatically they would close all of the doors as the hearse passed um, and open them again after, after the hearse had passed. Uh, people at the side of the road might pause, bless themselves, and once again, once the hearse had passed, they would continue on their way. Yeah, and the era of the, the men wearing hats, they'd remove their hats. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Does it mean a lot to a bereaved family to see that perhaps total strangers are recognising their loss? Very, very much so. Very much so. The family, um, even though they're not, how would I say it, um, they're not conscious of the people at the side of the road at that time, but they subconsciously, they look at it as solidarity with them. The family have a bereavement. They, They are at a loss. And these people, whether it be car drivers, whether it be pedestrians, they are uh, acknowledging the loss. That's all it is. It's just a simple thing to say. Just just a simple mark of respect. Yeah. And, you know, you never know. You know, all of our days will come when we will have a family bereavement uh, and we'll be in that same situation uh, ourselves. And funerals, Finbar, during the pandemic were obviously very different. But in rural areas, it was so lovely to see neighbours standing out at doors and gates as the hearse drove past. A lot of the reason for that was they weren't able to attend the church. So that was the only way that they would be able to pay their respects. In normal times, they would have been able to go to the funeral home. They would have been able to go to the family home and physically uh, offer their condolences to the the bereaved family members. Um, Because that wasn't possible... Um, the next best thing, I suppose, was that they would line the route. Mm. Did that happen in the cities as well? Oh, it did. Yeah. It did, of course. Yeah. It did, of course. It did, of course. Um, the Irish, as it said, do funerals very well. The uh, And we do. There, There is a solidarity. There is a solidarity with... Um, with families who have had a recent bereavement. I've, I feel that the respect for funerals has diminished over the years. Why? I don't know. Is it from the religious point of view that um, non-religious services have crept in a lot more than in, in the past? Um, but that still shouldn't take away from respect. It shouldn't, it shouldn't. But I suppose you also have people who, they, they're they full of their own importance. I have to get here. I don't want to be hampered in any way. I, th- I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think that's what it is. And, and, the, and the utter stupidity of it. Exactly. It's a matter of... It's it's probably not even a minute that somebody's going to be delayed That's by right. giving way for a horse That's and right. the cars behind it. No, Patricia, can I just say, 
and I only spoke from our own company point of view, purely ourselves. I'm sure there are other funeral directors out there, citywide and countrywide, that have experienced this also. Yeah. Absolutely, because but you even as soon as I mentioned that you were coming on, uh, of people you know telling stories of how they remembered how it used to be and how different it is today. Particularly that one of the closing of the doors of businesses switching off their lights on a main street if a hearse was coming down for that you know seconds is all it usually would take to pass uh, a shop, and that a lot of those traditions are gone, which is a, a real pity. And some people saying that traditions they they would notice that the traditions are still very much there in rural areas, it's in more urban areas that people have become disrespectful I would agree, I would agree totally now somebody did turn around to me in the past and um, said to me just remember one thing traditions are there to be broken Ah not 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 all traditions not all traditions I understand that I understand that but whether it be tradition or not just a mark of respect yeah that's all it is. To the family. You put it up on, on Facebook and, and I was looking, I was on your Facebook I put page. it up on, on Facebook you got a, you on got our a, own company page. You got a great reaction. We, we got a huge reaction, which I wasn't expecting. Now, it was actually Owen English from the Irish Examiner picked up on it and he did an interview with me, which I told him about the three instances that I came across. And um, it just... Took off. Yep, totally blew up from there. But you see, I think you, I, I, what I think you've done is you have, you've sparked the conversation, you've sparked the debate, you've got people now talking about it, and people are saying Finbar is right. We and and the very fact we're talking about it, it'll put it into people's heads, and maybe today, tomorrow, or you know, next week, somebody will see a horse and will remember what you have said. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. And if they do. That's absolutely brilliant. That is absolutely fantastic. You have a, a lovely suggestion of something they do in America that they, they. Well, in the States, I worked over there for a number of years. What they have is, let's call it mini cones, traffic cones. Yeah. But, but they are magnetic at the end. Uh, the bottom is magnetic, uh, covered by felt. And what the funeral directors in the States do, they earmark which cars are following the, the hearse, and these magnetic mini cones are put on the roof of the family cars. So that at a glance, you can see all of the cars with cones on them are part of the funeral. That's a nice idea. It is. It is. Whether it will come in here, who knows? Yeah. But just a bit of respect. I can see lots of people saying, well done to Finbar for bringing this up. We were only talking about it in our own home, somebody says uh, the, other, the other day. There's just a complete a lack of respect. And by the way, when I was on your uh, Facebook page yesterday, uh, Finbar, ride in peace, the motorbike horse. That's right. It's actually a friend of mine, Pat Noonan, who, um, because he's an avid motorcyclist, um, the I suppose the biking community... For their final journey, they weren't able to travel on their chosen mode of transport. Yeah. And Pat decided that he would buy an old hearse, and uh, he had a Goldwing motorcycle, and he decided to marry the two of them together. 
It looks incredible. It does. It does. And, it does. I, and so lovely for somebody who's really no, into their it bikes. Mightn't, it mightn't be right for everybody. Yeah, yeah, no, it's but, lovely. But I, for some people, yeah, yes, yeah, that I, is their chosen vehicle for their final journey. The perfect last journey. Listen, Fimber, it's been a real pleasure uh, speaking to you. Thank you for that. And uh, as I said, well done for raising this issue because I think it is something we need to talk about more. Thank you very much, Thanks Patricia. a million. Bye-bye. Take care. Good morning Bye-bye. to you. That is uh, Fimber O'Connor, who is the Managing Director of O'Connor Brothers Funeral Home at Northgate uh, Bridge on Respect at Funerals. Why have we lost? Is it to do, as Fimber said, some people are just so consumed with their own lives and what's going on in their own lives and they're so busy and everybody has to get somewhere as quickly as possible that they just can't stop and reflect and just give that moment and it really is probably a minute max to let a hearse and the funeral cars pass or if you're on the street just to bow your head as the hearse passes just in solidarity and to show the grieving family that look might know you but you're going through a rough time at, at the moment and just acknowledge uh, their loss is is it too much to ask 0818 103. Your thoughts welcomed. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, as unfortunately and sadly, we are reporting on yet another serious assault on a woman in Cork City last weekend. There was also then the frightening attack on a young teenager in Kilkenny earlier this week. And then there's more reports coming from Dublin of a woman in her 50s being attacked in Phoenix Park. Many are wondering how and when will females start to feel safe when out on their own? Mary Critty of the Sexual Violence Centre in Cork once again joins me. Good morning to you Mary. Good morning, morning Patricia. Mary, following on so soon after the horrendous murder of Ashleen Murphy, are women now more nervous than ever about oh, I say they're going terrified. Out? I say they're terrified because I think, you know, situations like this were happening all the time. You know, and we were coming across them, but they weren't necessarily being reported on. So, I mean, I do welcome the fact that they are reported on because everybody needs to know what's happening and then look at what we can do about it and how we can support each other and how the public in general are the answer to all this. You know, the guards and the voluntary sector and others can do so much, but it's up to everybody to watch out for each other, to kind of stop the culture, to, you know, change situations where things are allowed to go this far. And what I mean by that is where certain men are allowed to behave in violent kind of ways throughout their life and then end up doing something like this. I think it's appalling, but I do welcome the fact that, it, that it's talked about now at this stage. Yeah, and again, before people start saying, oh, you know, man bashing again, it's a small minority of men that are doing it, but it just has to be stopped. Okay, t- talk to me about as a society, wh- what can we all do to make us women feel safer? Okay, we have to remember that the majority are raped by somebody they know. The majority are abused by somebody they know. Um, I think the women's aid figures, which are 13%, um, are are raped or stopped by strangers. So, I mean, although it is happening, it's in the minority. So it's watching out for people around us who might be a danger to us. And absolutely, the majority of men would not dream of doing this. But the other side was, like, say, on average in the centre here, we'd have maybe 30 new clients a month, you know, or a quarter, I mean. And we... uh, even a month, we've had um, 52 new clients so far in January, which is quite a lot. And I think 10 or 12 of them are victims of stalking because we are, you know, putting it out there that if you're a victim of stalking, we want to support you. We want to help you in any way we can. And there are people who would have um, said even last year they 
didn't know who to contact, they didn't know what to do because they felt they were imagining it. So we're at the stage where I think we want everybody, and some of the callers have been men who've been stalked, so we want them to know that there is support for them, that they're not imagining it, that you do deserve the best service they can possibly get. I'm not saying we can do everything, but we need to kind of keep talking about it and highlight the extent of it and the prevalence of it because people are dealing with this day in, day out and thinking, you know, oh, I can't contact you, like this is too small, nothing happened to me. But you're terrified the minute you go out or the minute you switch on your computer. So it's at that level we have to keep at it and just say, no, we're not putting up with this anymore. Yeah, and actually we've spoken a lot about stalking on the programme because of um, Una Ring who've, who's joined Absolutely. us, m- many very brave uh, woman along with uh, Eve, Eve, Eve McDowell. And it's now a criminal offence. It's going to be, hopefully by Easter it will oh, be. Oh, it's not yet, offense. okay. Not yet. Um, and then the other thing where the centre here is doing with UCC is we have um, a survey kind of up online in stalking in Ireland, that i.e. where we're looking at the prevalence of stalking in Ireland because, you know, it kind of reminds me of years ago when the centre started, which next year would be 40 years, where the figures were so low, people were saying it wasn't an issue. And I think with stalking, um, people are saying it's not an issue or else it's the next partner or next boyfriend. But we're coming across all ranges of society, you know, who are being stalked. And I mean, businessmen, I mean, young men, and young women, different people who are being stalked because their behaviour is tolerated and allowed. And telling, you know, especially young women not to venture out alone. I mean, that's only victim blaming, isn't it? Totally victim blaming, totally victim blaming. I'm sure, you know, that young woman who walked home was probably only half eleven in the evening in city centre. She probably walked that place many a time. She didn't realise she was being followed. Um, and I think women have to keep walking home. We can't have a situation where they have to, you know, be told not go out after a certain hour, which is where it's nearly heading at this stage. I nearly tell the men not to go out after a certain stage, leave the women out wander um, and go home safely. But like the majority get home safely. Yeah. So it isn't matter watching out for each other. It really is. And uh, can I just say on that case of that young woman last weekend, well done to, you know, she started screaming and well done to people who came to her aid because sometimes people see incidents like that and think, oh, a row between a boyfriend and girlfriend and walk on by. I mean, if somebody is clearly distressed, intervene. Absolutely. Do you remember the case there last year where a young girl was carried um, by this man outside the nightclub and two bouncers followed because yeah. they thought this didn't look great and then they intervened. But so many situations we've come across where a girl had said she was dragged down a lane and she screamed and nobody intervened. I do get the fear people have. They don't want to get involved or get beaten up themselves but we do need to do something. Call somebody, go out in a group and stand around so they stop it. Just do something. Yeah, and again, that case last weekend, the Gardaí are saying now that they believe that she was stalked uh, for some distance from the city centre before she was attacked. It's truly shocking. Absolutely, absolutely. And and that's where the stalking comes in, that we keep talking about it. Uh, Breed, one of our listeners says, would Mary suggest that young women should take up basic self-defence classes? Would that help? I think it could. I mean, I think it could. Anything anything will help. Like for years I would have said, no, there's no point in that because then... Mainly, I'd be thinking about the person you know who's going to rape you and you wouldn't be prepared for him. But I think anything that gives you more confidence helps. I mean, I wouldn't recommend, you know, carrying any um, knives or anything like that because that's just turned on you. Even pepper spray can be turned on you, you know, and put in your own face rather than the perpetrator's. But if you do some self-defense and have gives you more confidence, go for it. Mm. But what I've seen happening occasionally is that somebody would say to me, you know, I do self-defense, I do martial arts, I should have been able to flatten them. But I couldn't because you just freeze. 
So as long as you don't um, yeah. blame yourself, if, if you can't react the way you think you should, that you've been trained to do it, but I think all that kind of stuff gives people amazing confidence. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, you're right. You, you just don't know the time and the moment. But if you have basic skills, it just might be the difference for you then to be able to get away or to start, scre- uh, or to start scre- screaming. Um, and and here's one when I mentioned that you were coming on the programme uh, today. A listener has contacted us to say a friend opened up to her this was now following the Ashley Ashley Murphy's death. This friend opened up to her to say that she'd been sexually abused many, many years ago. It was the friend's first time ever speaking about it. And this our listener is wondering, is it ever too late to go for counselling or are things Never. that happened in the past best left in the past? Never. I mean, we were contacted the other day with a woman in her 70s. Is it, you know, who isn't doing well and who wants to tell her story before her end. It's never too late. Um, 50% of the people coming in um, are survivors of child sexual abuse and they range in ages from, you know, 20 to kind of 70 and a broad range of men and women in their 50s, especially I found that men um, since COVID, you know, guys that would be either in the trade or building or whatever and were out there working every day in whatever way possible and then they were stuck at home. And their head was going mad. They were thinking everything and they felt like their life was being turned upside down because how could they've managed for so long and forgotten this, they'll be able to keep it down. But all of a sudden, it's just coming up for them. The floodgates open. So we would really like them to come in and we will support them and we will organise counselling for them. Yeah, and and no matter how long ago it was, counselling, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Yeah. that's really interesting. I mean, because it's, it's about how it affects you, how it impacts on you, because sometimes... Even if people remember later on in life, they think they're going mad. They think, what's wrong with them? They think they should be over it. But it's like their body kind of saying, I'm still here. You know, I need to deal with this in some kind of way. In some ways, it can be get counselling for a while. Sometimes it can just be tell your story. Or sometimes it can be get quite a lot of counselling. It depends on everybody's need. But, you know, if it's affecting them or if they can't sleep or if it's coming back to them and... They just find it difficult. Please come in. You know, you can come in for any length of period, short or long. Okay, well done. And your number there, uh, Mary? 1-800-496-496. And you're busy as ever? Yeah, like I say, 52 new people in in January. Um, And I welcome them coming in. I'm sorry they have to keep coming in, but I'd rather they come in and have some kind of an outlet than feel, you know, they should be over it and you know, it was their fault maybe and all this kind of thing. We really would love them to come in. And of course we saw, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and because of lockdowns, we saw a huge increase in domestic violence. We did, we did. And and like I say, from our end of it, the increase was more in kind of people remembering what happened to them and not being able to deal or cope with it. I think the domestic violence people, you know, who are dealing with stuff was appalling. Um, I think for any woman in the house where she is in a violent relationship, where she was just locked in with the abuse and morning and night must be horrific. Dreadful, dreadful. All right, listen, pleasure as always, uh, Mary. Thank you for that and we'll speak again. Uh, God bless. That is uh, Mary Crilly joining us from the Sexual Violence Centre in uh, Cork 0818-103-103. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862-103-103. And I can see a number of people are contacting us with regards to the funerals that we spoke with Finbar about and kind of the lack of respect. Michael in Clonakilty says, I remember when I was young, uh, we lived quite close by a church as soon as the hearse would come around the corner. 
the shop door would completely close. Everybody's front door would close. Anyone had curtains opened, they would close and people would pray for the deceased for the couple of moments while the hearse was uh, passing. Uh, Anita in Montanati said, I always bless myself when I pass a hearse in traffic. Do others do that? I, I always do as well. Is that a common common thing that people do? I think it is. Uh, Anita, do you, um, we'll put it out there, do many people bless themselves just as the hearse goes by? Chris in North Cork says, in one county I was in or is the one country I was in they had a black ribbon on the aerial of the car uh, or out the window of the car to alert others passing that this was part of a funeral cortege just an ordinary black ribbon will do when Finbar mentioned about the magnet on the top of the horses what they do in America to alert a funeral uh, maybe they could start something like that like a ribbon on the aerial of the car kind of a little bit like what you're talking about uh, Chris a little bit like you know at weddings sometimes at weddings you'll see that whatever the colour scheme of the wedding is they'll put ribbons on the aerial of the car's to denote the people that are involved with a wedding, going to a wedding. Maybe the same thing could be done with a black ribbon. Not a bad suggestion, Chris. Maybe that is something that others could uh, pick up on. Thank you for that. And Breed says, Hi Patricia, I heard you speaking with uh, Fimber talking about uh, funerals. Some people simply just don't show respect anymore. Respect seems to be gone from society. We seem to be living in an era where it's me, me, me. And to hell with everybody else. Thanks, uh, Patricia. That's from a breed. And yeah, that, that's exactly the point Fimber was making as well. Everybody is just concerned about their own little world and not really worried about anybody else, which is this kind of a sad reflection on society. And I don't think any of us would want to live in a society whereby people are gone that selfish. It's all about themselves. You know, you can't live in a society without everybody helping each other out and at least showing a little bit of respect, particularly respect for our dead. And John from Madden's Buildings in Black pools the side Patricia about two years ago one of my neighbours passed uh, away I live in Madden's buildings in Blackpool all the neighbours stood outside their doors and clapped as the hearse was uh, passing and I'm assuming that was during Covid uh, times which was that uh, the lovely thing that happened and I've, I saw it myself in rural areas where people came out and stood at crossroads and stood at their gates and stood at their farm gates to just to show respect for the person that had passed away but also I think to stand in solidarity isn't it with the grieving family and during the pandemic when we couldn't have the big funerals that we which are a huge tradition here in this country. You couldn't go to removals, you couldn't go and sympathise, but you could stand, you literally could stand for those few moments and just show the family that you're thinking of them and, and be with them in spirit. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And thank you to Joe Heffernan. I can see a couple of texts coming in from uh, Joe, who is promoting this CD that's been put together by local artists in the North Cork area. It's a fundraiser for the Irish Community Air Ambulance and our own Joe Heffernan is performing on it. And the uh, somebody yesterday was wondering when, where would they be available in West Cork? Joe has just been on to say that the Centre Circle K in Dunmanway now stocking some of these uh, CDs. And also if you're in McCroom, Supervalue in McCroom have seen CDs for sale as well. Thank you, Joe, for that, who's obviously out and about in his travels delivering the CDs and uh, we wish him luck with it. It's in a really, really worthwhile course. Now, I want to go to the phone lines. Where where am I going first? I'm going to Mary first. Good morning to you, Mary. 
Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, you want to give, I suppose, kind of a word of warning to people. You needed to go for a blood test. It's a routine blood test, I take it, is it? Yes. Okay. And what happened? I had to have a negative antigen test in order to either have my blood test or see the GP. And this is something that your GP practice has recently brought in, is it? Uh, Yes. I, I was a bit shocked um i find it discriminating because why did i get vaccinated and boosted you know and you I have got to, so so what they said was you had to go away and you did purchase your own antigen test they weren't giving you the antigen test were they no no they weren't and my understanding is that you get antigen test from the HSE if you're a close contact within a certain age group or a child that's a close contact in school you cannot just go away and be getting antigen tests from the HSE because you're abusing the system when all you want to do is go to your GP Okay so I and I mean I will put it out to see is is this you I wonder is this now going to become a widespread practice uh, that all GPs I, I in order know. to go into a GP so you would have to do your antigen test at home and bring it in and show that it's negative but you see, right, okay, it's fair enough doing your antigen test at home but we'll just say myself and my husband Jim are here and we do an antigen test and I come back positive we'll say yeah. Then he could turn around to me and say, well, look, I'll do one now because you're really, really sick. You need to be seen. He comes back negative. I can take his negative and oh, go into the yeah. doctor. Listen, people have been doing that. God knows. Oh, people, I'm people well have aware they that. have, yeah. But it's the cost side of it as well you're That's raising. That's what I'm saying because if you're in a position where you don't have three or to buy an antigen test and you are genuinely sick, what do you do? Because your GP won't see you. Yeah, and it's hard enough to get into GPs. Most of them are doing triaging over, over the phone, yeah. The last yeah. time I tried to get an appointment for the GP, I couldn't get it. Did you? Yeah, I, I, well, I during the pandemic, I've done a number of telephone consultations, which I have to say worked, that they were OK. Uh, but it doesn't work for everybody. If you need to be physically seen, you need to be physically seen, you know. Yeah. So it doesn't yeah. work for... Okay, but well, everything is over the phone with, okay. with this particular GP. OK, let's wait and see. Are others doing it? Uh, but Mary, in order to get a blood test, and obviously you can't do a blood test over the phone, you do have to physically turn up in person, yeah. need to have an, a negative antigen test. OK, Mary, listen, thanks for that. Uh, OK, thank you. You're there, certainly the first uh, to draw our attention to that. Has anybody else been asked to produce a negative antigen test before being seen by a GP or in order to give a bloods? 0818 103 103. Now, we've been talking about funerals and lack of respect at uh, funerals. And we've had a number of people on saying well done to Fimber the undertaker in the city for raising this uh, issue and a number of people are agreeing that they just I don't know what it is there just seems to be a lack of uh, respect some of your thoughts coming in on this for example hi Patricia I always pull in if I pass a hearse and if I can't I'll slow down I always turn off the radio which is a nice thing to do and I'll bless myself it is only respectful uh, so shocked to hear that undertaker talk about the driver beeping at the family who were driving behind 
the hearse in order to get them to hurry up. Just totally shocking uh, indeed. Uh, hi Patricia, I think a new custom that has come out of the pandemic is this idea of people lining the street or the roadway where the person lived as the, pers- the, the hearse is passing. It is a relatively new custom but I hope it stays because I think it really is uh, a lovely, lovely thing and one wonders will it stay. By email Martin has been on to say lack of respect at funerals. Martin Fields is all part of people's avoidance of death. People don't want to see a hearse. They want to get past them as soon as possible. They don't want to mention the word death. It's a shock now if somebody mentions death. Nearly everybody will say that he or she passed away. Nobody speaks about somebody died or there's been a death in the family. Martin reckons it's, we use the term passing away or somebody was lost to something. Uh, that's only become widespread, Martin reckons, in the last few few years. Is it to do with our fear of death? I don't know. Uh, Brendan in Kilworth has contacted us. Morning to you, Brendan. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. You saw what is a lovely tradition in Spain. Tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, in the north of Spain when I was walking the Camino. I think it was somewhere, I can't remember the name of the village now, but it was between Leon and Santiago. And I came into this village and there was a cortege coming against me. A funeral cortege. And everyone in the village was participating. The altar boys were in surpluses and satans. What I noticed was that it was an elderly man. He didn't look that old, but he was 83. But there was a photograph of him on every single house in the village. Village would be something like now on the lines of the size of Ballyhooley or something like that, you know. And there was a photograph of him in every single house up in the window. The, the same photo, like obviously photographs were handed out, was it, of the man? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. printed off like an A4 sheet, you know, and just stuck onto every window in the village, like everyone, apparently they do it, I inquired, they do it for everyone who dies. What a lovely... They put up a photograph, they put up a photograph of the deceased on their window facing the footpath, like, you know. Yeah, Because everyone yeah. can see. The lines, are, I mean, they're, you know, they have terrible respect for their dead there. And that's obviously an old tradition that they has, that has yeah, just kept yeah, going. And they, yeah, they, they walk from the church to the cemetery, you know, they have a cortege and everyone appears out, you know, and they all sort of in different costumes or depending on their, 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 their status and different things, I'd say, you know. So, and it's a small thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Uh, Camino, I'm, I'm fascinated by the Camino. It's one of my bucket list things. When did you walk yeah. the Camino? I have walked it. I walked it from France, from um, St. John Pierre the Port, right? I, uh, I went three times. I went to Burgos the first time. I went to Pontefrada the second time. I went to Santiago and out to, out to Finisterre and Muxia. And then I went back a few years ago again. I walked the Portuguese one right up from... I walked it, but that's a much shorter route from Porto. I just started up to Santiago, you know. Did you do it on your own? Or did you do it with yeah, some, yeah, on my own. Totally on my own. With everything in my back. Just take a one-way flight and go. And when I feel, then, you know, come back. Is it is it a spiritual experience? Yes, very much so. But very, uh, the, um, the, the, the the people are fantastic on it. You know, they all look out for each other. You know, and help each other. I even bought a little two. Um, <laughs> I bought a two cc syringe. So if someone or myself got a blister, I'd uh, take out the liquid out of it oh. and, uh, and and just uh, put in iodine into it. You know, and yeah, put on yeah. a compete a compete pad, and away you go again. You know. And did you did you train first? You know what I mean. Did you do a lot of walking? And I, I, I was I was hill walking, you know, on different oh, yeah. things, you know, mountaineering. I've been Kilimanjaro and different places. Oh, 
Yeah, you had, would you have to be reasonably fit doing it? Is what I'm asking. You would, yeah. yeah. You want to be reasonably fit, like, but nothing, you know. You, you'll build up your fitness, but like, you know, what happens is, you know, people get too anxious early on. You know, one day at a time, one one pace at a time, one foot at a time. You know. And do you interact but with it, with other people doing the Camino? Pardon? Would you interact with other people along oh, the God, way? Oh God, yeah. Oh, that's the thing. I was a member one night. I was a um, we were at a dining table just, you know, we'd pull into the albergs and we'd have, that's what they call the hostels here, you know, the albergs we call them. And you, at a dining table one night, I just realised that there were 18 of us sitting down for a meal and we were 12 different nationalities. <sighs> you know, but everyone is so, you know, and people give each other so much, you know. Everybody there to help him. Yeah, everybody else, and yeah, people yeah. do it for specific reasons. I, I remember a really good friend of mine from Clonmel. Yeah, all kinds of people. He lost yeah. his uh, wonderful son, and he yeah. and he walked it on his own in memory yeah. of his son, and and yeah. got great comfort from it. Absolutely. As well, yeah. Well, as I, well, I didn't do it for any specific reason, but I mean, God Almighty, hears such horrendous stories like. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 but it is, it is. Uh, and they would have, they, the Camino, they would have lost out a lot during the pandemic. Obviously, there would have been nobody travelling. Yes, because, it. like, you'd be talking about poverty in villages. My God Almighty, you should see them in the north of Spain. Like, it was like Ireland in the 50s, you know, the early 50s. You know, women yeah. with, little, with a cow going up and they cutting a bit of grass for the cow and they sort of depending on on chickens and cows and things to survive. And, you know, they'd, they'd sleep over where the cow would sleep, sort of thing, you know. Oh, and that's still today? Yeah, still today, yeah. Wow. There's nothing there on it. Or, you know, I mean, elderly people, mostly elderly people with no form of sort of just um, state, state um, um, help, that's all. Yeah. All right. Listen, you should write a book, Brendan. Looks like you've got a, a great yeah, story a inside no, 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 no. you. Listen, thanks for that and thanks for joining us. But that's a lovely tradition of what they do in uh, rural Spain. Thanks, Brendan. Have a good day. Uh, that's uh, Brendan joining us from uh, Kilworth. A number of people on the GP. This is sparked off by Mary, who needed to get a blood test this morning. Shocked to discover that in order to get a blood test, before she can get to see the GP, she has to bring a negative antigen test with her. And she feels it's, dis- it's discriminating against people who maybe can't afford the three euro to buy a, an antigen uh, test. Mary in Bandon says, you'll be lucky to get in to see a doctor. I don't know why that lady is questioning it. My GP did the very same thing. I just did the test and got on with it, says Mary in Bandon. Margaret in Mallow says, I have to get my vitamin B shot today at the GP surgery. I also have to take an antigen test before I can visit the GP. Need to bring the result with me. I feel it's stupid and we've enough cost with going to the GP without having to buy antigen tests as well. Trish in Blackpool said, are people aware some pharmacies offer an online doctor's service? It might be cheaper for some people who don't want to go to the doctors. Check in with your local pharmacy. I wasn't aware of that, who do a doctor's service. But I think what the one thing Mary has sparked off, Mary, the original call, is people trying to get in to see their GP. GPs are still operating in COVID times and they don't do walking clinics anymore. And I suppose they're trying to keep everybody inside in the GP practice as safe as uh, they possibly can. Hi Trish, I had a blood test uh, done with my doctor last week. 
no problem at all, in and out, didn't have to have an antigen uh, test and I live in Bandon. So it okay, from what I can get from those calls coming in this morning, it varies from GP practice to GP uh, practice. So 818 103 103, you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. The Alzheimer Society of Ireland, they're looking for care workers in the North Cork area. It's for their home care and day care at home services. Full details available on our C103 webpage. To apply, an email with a cover letter to C2 recruit at alzheimer.ie. The Avenue newspaper in Mitchellstown looking for someone with a knowledge of graphic design software. It's for the position of newspaper page layout artist. Now, training will be provided. Email, please, to editor at avenuepress.ie. Hallisey um, Partners solicitors there in Bandon, they're hiring a property solicitor. CVs to info at hplaw.ie or you can post to their office, 41 South Main Street in Bandon. And a multitask assistant is required for Aradlin Nursing Home. Call 029 76771 or email chris at You'll find more details and further job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. The National Youth Council of Ireland are calling on people in Cork to consider volunteering with local organisations. This is following a 64% drop in volunteers during the pandemic. To chat about what it's like to be a volunteer. I'm joined by Emma Brennan from Mallow, who has been a volunteer with the Cloyne Diocesan Youth Services. Uh, good morning to you, Emma. Good morning, Patricia. And thanks a million for joining us. I suppose take us back. When and why did you decide to take up a volunteering role? Um, well, I suppose my volunteering came from um, after I did a placement with the Big Blue Cube in Mallow for um, a college course. But since I finished my placement, I actually never left because, like, the atmosphere was great and I built up good friendships and that. And the young people that we worked with are just fantastic, Patricia. Okay, you were doing a placement. What was the course you were doing? Um, so I have a degree in social care. Okay, and so and your placement was for how long at the at the, the Blue Cube? Um, I think it was eight weeks when I was in my second year of college. And you were just so taken by the place, was it? Um, yeah, so like there was, there's like it's a hive of activity. So like we have our homework club and um, there's the activate club and um, there's youth groups on most days of the week for various age groups. Um, so like the young people might come in, we might do cooking and baking with them. There's just so much going on. It's just a hive of activity. And when you went in to do your placement, you believed it would just be eight weeks and then you'd move on. What, what was it at the end of the eight weeks that made you say, oh, I think I'll, I'll stay on as a volunteer? Um, well, I, I, I suppose um, the young people were always very welcoming. And I think everyone, when going to work with young people, they're nearly afraid because um, they nearly think, like, young people might be too cool for them or whatever. But, like, if you come in and meet them at their level and that, like, they take you into their group and, like, then they look forward to coming in and telling you how they're getting on in school and their week 
and different things. And a lot of the time, young people actually just need someone to talk to. They don't actually want you to, like, solve all their problems. They just want someone to listen to them. That's outside of the, the norm. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And do you see the change that you can make in a young person's life? Um, oh, definitely. And, like, I'd urge anyone who has any kind of hobby or interest to get involved in their local youth service because you could actually bring on another young person into that hobby with you. So, like, if you have a keen interest in cooking or baking, like, if you went to, we'll say, the Big Blue Cube and offered to do cooking and baking or whatever with young people, they'd only be delighted. And, like, it's teaching a young person maybe a new skill or whatever, but, like, you're also sharing your hobby and interest with someone else that might actually develop their own interests. Yeah, you're sharing, you're sharing your, your skill. And, and as a volunteer, do you think you gain as much from the work as the young person does? Um, definitely. So, like, I only live five minutes from the Big Blue Cube. And prior to my placement, I would have had very little involvement, um, like, with the, the local community centre, we'll say. But now, like, I could drop in, like, two or three days a week depending on my, my work roster. So, like, I have built friendships through volunteering and, like, have gone on to, like, meet them regularly for, like, coffee or whatever. So, like, it's a big social outlet yeah, yeah. as well for, for yourself. Like I'm always saying that to people, you know, particularly, say, somebody new to an area and, you know, trying to make friends and trying to get a new uh, friendship group. Get involved with volunteering because it just opens up a whole new world to you, doesn't it? A whole new world of friends. Oh, definitely. And you meet very, very much like like-minded people. Yeah, good point. If you're volunteering in an area in which you have an interest, like you will meet people that have the same interest. So like you could go on to, to do loads of various activities from just having met in that mutual one group that you showed um, an interest in. And like they'll have summer camps now over the summer. And like with my work roster, I mightn't be able to go every day of the week. But like, if you can volunteer one or two days for a summer camp, that means that they'd have enough volunteers to run a summer camp and they might even be able to have bigger numbers because there's more volunteers on board. And, as, and so all, like, always with volunteering, you, 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 know, you, you can work the hours, you can give as much of the hours as, as you have free time. A hundred percent. So like, I work shift work. So like, I'm actually only available like every second week as such like with the way I work. But, like, they can work around you to a certain degree. Like, it isn't that you have to commit one specific hour every day for the next 50 weeks. Like, it's I'm available this week on Monday. What groups are running? What can I help with? Or I'm available next Wednesday. What's happening next Wednesday that I can help out with? Like, there's always ways in which you can volunteer. You don't have to be afraid of committing. Like, you're not committing your, your life away to a specific day and time for the rest of your life like you know and not that you would do it for this reason but it always looks good on the CV as well to put down that you because oh, it's because it's, it's, it's work experience at the end of the day it is experience oh definitely but like I I really don't think people should be afraid to to like volunteer for that reason too because you're still you're still giving to the community and like in everything we do like people always be like oh so oh you're great for volunteering like there is always a benefit to yourself in, in everything you do. Like, you shouldn't feel bad if you're going to yeah. volunteer because yeah. it looks good in your CV. Absolutely. Like it, Absolutely. You're making a difference 
no matter is it, if it's small or big, like you are making the difference. And you mentioned that you went first in there on work placement from col- or placement from college, and then you're subsequently talking about the shifts that you're doing. You obviously are now working full time. Um, yeah. So, like, I have a regular, I, I have a regular rolling roster. Okay. Do you want to say where you're working? Um, I work for um, Cope Foundation. Oh, fabulous! The wonderful Cope Foundation. Well done. Well done. Yeah. I'd say you were a great asset to them uh, uh, as well. Were you surprised to hear of volunteering dropping off so much during the pandemic, Emma? Um, I I was and I wasn't because like with all these huge groups, like you had to go online, and it's like it is very difficult to to go online. And like the big blue queue, we did go online with some of our youth groups. But then, like, there just wasn't the interest. But I'm sure there was loads of volunteers also did come on board, like, new to the area in relation to doing, like, food selections and things like that because they they were popping up all over the country. So I think I was surprised when I heard it dropped as much. Mm. But but um, hopefully we will be able to rebuild it and people will start volunteering again, especially when we're getting back to this new normal. Okay, so find uh, a charity, find an organisation in your area, and there isn't there isn't an area that hasn't got some kind of an organisation or a group that's looking for volunteers. You would highly recommend it, Emma. Um, highly recommend it. Like it opens new opportunities for everyone. Like the big blue cube are always looking for volunteers. Um, so definitely, if you're interested, um drop them a message maybe on Facebook or call into the centre. They'd be more than happy to have a chat with you about it. Okay, all right. You might as well give a plug to your own group, The Big Blue Cube, and it's run by the Cloyne Diocesan Youth uh, Services. Uh, Listen, well done, uh, Emma. And I know everybody at The Big Blue Cube, lucky to have you as a a volunteer. Thanks a million for taking time out and talking to us today. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Emma Brennan there from uh, Mallow, a youth volunteer. Consider volunteering, please, folks. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We're going to Bandon Garda Station for this week's Garda Fire, where I'm joined by Sergeant Morgan O'Sullivan. Good morning to you, Morgan. Good morning, Patricia. And you're very welcome. And we're going to start with a number of thefts. The first one in Skull of a Kayak. That's correct, uh, Patricia. We have a number of um, thefts we're going to highlight today, and they're actually right across the Cork West Division, covering our four districts. And like you said, the first one is in um, theft of a kayak. Um, so we're investigating the theft of a Vista two-person kayak um, from the Cadigan Strand area near Skull. Um, this occurred uh, between Monday the 15th of January and Sunday the 23rd of January, sometime in that week. Um, now, this kayak is described as red in colour and is approximately 14 feet in length. Um, as your listeners would be aware, kayaks are a large item to transport. Mm. So if anyone did notice uh, someone transporting a red kayak in the Scully area in that week, the 15th to 23rd, or indeed have been offered a sale of such an item in recent weeks, the Guardian Skull would appreciate a call. OK, and to Bandon for the theft of a quad bike. Uh, that's correct. Um, the Guardian Bandon is getting a, the theft of a quad bike, which occurred between 4pm on Saturday, 22nd January, into the early hours of Sunday, the 23rd of January last. Um, now, this theft occurred in the Gortin area of Bandon, and the quad bike, in this case, is described as a Honda Meg, and it's red in colour. 
um, and the Guardian Bandon are seeking the public's assistance in relation to this theft of this callback and locating it and returning to its owner if at all possible. Again, more than likely transport used? More than likely transport used, yeah. A large item again. Um, so again, um, any transport or any activity in, in, in that area on, on them dates, uh, 22nd, 23rd, we'd yeah. appreciate a call. They're, they're expensive items as well. And then in Clonakilty, a go-kart was taken. That's right, Patricia. Yeah. Um, the Guardian Clonakilty are investigating this incident. Uh, the test of a go-kart, and this happened in the Wayside Crescent area um, of Clonakilty. And it happened in the, the days leading up to the 22nd of January last. Now, this is a large red go-kart, um, and the make is Berg, which is written on the go-kart. And, look, and again, it, look, it's a fairly large item, not as large as our quad bike in the, in the previous item. But again, to move, to move it, um, or transport as your listeners might have noticed, any person um, in the wayside crescent area, of course, this could be, have been driven away on the footpad or something. But it, it happened on the 22nd of January or the days leading up to the 22nd of January and to the Guardian Clannacilty are investigating that. Yeah, and we always remind people we have dash cam footage as well. You'd be amazed what shows up on something you might have noticed if you Absolutely. were in that area. Just go back on your, on your dash cam. And then to Mill Street for GPS surveying equipment. I don't even know what this is. Yeah, and a lot of us wouldn't, Patricia, because it's something that would be of no use. Just really, unless I suppose you're qualified in it, but the Guardian Ministries are investigating this is a Leica GPS serving unit uh, and a tripod that was fitted. And this was taken on the 22nd of January from a van park on the main street in Mill Street. Um, now, this equipment, which is a digital unit, um, is predominantly black in colour. It can be used hand, handheld or on a tripod. And the tripod was taken as well. And it would have little use, as I was saying, to anyone unless they were qualified to use it. But it is an item of considerable value. And the victim in this instance is at a significant financial loss, but also without some essential equipment, which is vital to their employment. So if any of your listeners have any information related to a theft, like as they make, a GPS serving unit in Mill Street on the 26th of January last, or in most anything suspicious, any suspicious activity on that day in question, I would ask them to contact the Guardian Mill Street. And so it would, um, just the way it would look, something, sometimes you might see people inside in a, a shop, employees of shop, who order stuff um, through a handheld machine. Yeah. And we would use them ourselves for different things as well. So it's fairly that's what it looks You would hold one hand. But that's black. what it looks like. Yes. To me, that sounds, Morgan, like an, an opportunistic theft uh, and somebody taking something that they didn't even know what they were after stealing. Exactly. And so it might it, be dumped somewhere. Exactly. And would be very little use to anyone, um, it would be a very small where people could use that. So yes, it could very well be an opportunistic crime and the person who took it might have no use at all for that. And like I say, it's a considerable value to the person who's at a loss. Yeah, okay. Keep a lookout for that, uh, folks. Okay, from those thefts then we go to some burglaries and you've two to report both in the Bantry area. Yes, that's great. So we've two burglaries that occurred on the 28th of January um, these are called Bantry Town. Now, both burglaries would be described as distraction burglaries. Um, and I suppose it looked like the scam calls or emails or text messages that, that we regularly discuss on your programme, the methods um, and the storyline that these people in relation to distraction burglaries you know, are, are constantly changing. So in these two cases, um, again, which I say happened close to the Bantry Town, you have a female caller to a house in the pretext of looking, in this case, for a lost kitten uh, and while the, owner, the homeowner is distracted, an accomplice enters the house to commit a burglary. So in relation to this date now, the 28th of January, I just 
ask any person in the Bantry area if they notice anything suspicious. This could be a car, a person, or indeed one of your listeners might have experienced something similar themselves and have not yet reported it. Um, I would ask them to give the Gardaí Bantry or indeed any guard station if they're residing elsewhere to let us know because we think it, it, could, it is something that could have also happened in neighbouring districts and divisions and if there's other incidents, um, we'd be anxious to be aware of them. Yeah, some people get embarrassed about getting, you know, almost sucked in on a scam that they're afraid to report. But we're always saying to people, don't be embarrassed about it. Absolutely. Because, you know, some of these kind artists are really good at what they do. Yeah, yeah. In, likewise, in the scams in relation to your phones or banking scams, yeah, they are so good at what they do, yeah. any of us could fall victim to it. Okay, and then the second burglary? I'm sorry, the two of them are on the same day. Oh, the two on the same day. Imagine. They're very similar. Okay. Um, most of Brenda is the same in both. Okay. All right. And then you want to talk about property marking with the, the items that we mentioned, firstly the thefts and even those uh, burglaries. We can all do something to try to keep our property a little bit safer. Yes. Just the fact that we've highlighted four thefts across the, the West Cork Division this week, um, right like, you know, down Skull up to Mill Street um, and, and across. We just... To reiterate the, the point that property marking, you know, is so important that if you mark your property, look with your postcode or some other identifiable mark, you know, we'd encourage people to take a photograph of their um, the property mark and their equipment or their property and email it back to themselves so they always have it, you know, to make a register of their serial number, the make, the model, or any distinguishing features on their property. Because the property that is marked is less attractive to steal uh, it's, it's also harder to move on for any would-be criminal. And, of course, if we come into property, which we regularly do, it's easier to return it then to the, the rightful owner. Because um, sometimes we have property in our property stores and we just can't identify um, who the injured party is to return it to them. Because, as we know, it could be anywhere in the country mm. the property could have been taken from. And it's so much easier now if you've got any items of value to get photographs of, of it because we all have cameras on our phones. It isn't as complicated as, say, it was many years ago. That's true. And just by you now taking your phone and emailing it back to yourself, yeah. you'll always have it in your emails if you want to go back and check it you know, a year later or something happened. And they just, again, the property mark just makes it less attractive and easier to get back to you if we do come into, into possession of it. Okay, and you also want to discuss a little bit of road safety, and this is in relation to um, hedgerows. And I know we've had a couple of listeners ringing in saying that their cars are getting scratched and why are the hedgerows not, not been uh, cut. You have an RSA message in relation to the cutting of hedgerows. Yes, it just uh, to re-highlight really, um, a road safety authority message that was circulated there recently um, just to all landowners to, to cut their hedgerows before the 1st of March just to ensure that they're not causing potential Serious road um, hazard, um, as was overgrown hedgerows and, and roadside verges can result in road fatalities and serious road collisions. And it was just a reminder um, to back up the road safety authority message. You know, in accordance with the Wildlife Act, the season for cutting hedgerows and verges is between September and the end of February. So this month would be a vital month for people in that position to get it done. Um, just for the safety of everyone. And a lot of farmers and landowners are really responsible about it and are out uh, cutting it at, at the moment, but not everybody has done it, but they've a month left. I mean, that's the, that's the main message. You need to get out. That, and, that is the message. And, and, and you are right, but a lot of um, farmers are very responsible and we see them cutting them there recently. And I suppose just anyone who hasn't got around to it at this stage, that they might get it done before the end of this month. 
like I say, for everyone's safety. Yeah, yeah, because it can be, particularly on very narrow rural uh, roads, for sure, it can be uh, it can be really dangerous. All right, listen, Morgan, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Thank you, Patricia. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is Sergeant Morgan O'Sullivan, who joins us from Abandon uh, Garda Station. Our lines are open at 0818 103 103 with a reminder that Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us in the next hour answering your pet questions. If you have a question for Jane, get it into us. You can text her WhatsApp as well to 0862103103 and I can see some uh, texts coming in when we mentioned earlier about dogs and I was I mentioned the piece about dogs trust how shocked so many people were that people are surrendering dogs so quickly after Christmas I mean we're only a little over a month since Christmas and pets that arrived and people who got puppies for Christmas deciding oh too much work and handing them back in it really is uh, shocking and they've seen an increase this year up on the number of pets that were surrendered last year Uh, Michael says Patricia regarding pups and uh, surrendering dogs they should never be taken away from oh this is to do with pups being bred at puppy farms I suppose more than anything a pup should never be taken away from its mother for at least eight or nine weeks the longer they are with the mother the more calmer friendlier and docile that pup will grow up to be they'll grow up as beautiful dogs but some people get rid of them at four weeks just to make quick money nine times out of ten that dog then can turn out to be very nasty and cross and then that can be a reason why somebody will decide to surrender the dog because it's got a particularly nasty streak and I suppose that ties in with the dog the dogs trust were using this dog Maggie a five month old spaniel uh, puppy that unfortunately had been wrongly sold as a poodle cross and it turned out it wasn't it was a spaniel pup uh, instead so there was an allergy issue but when dogs trust received the dog it turned out to be very nervous and then they were starting to say this is to do with the breeding of the dog the environment that the dog was brought into and maybe what Michael has said was true taken away from its mother too young and then went on to be this very nervous anxious uh, dog which difficult then for that dog to settle into its uh, for forever home thank you for that uh, Michael and then here's I suppose this is a bit of a cautionary tale to do with dogs because when we were talking about dogs and how a dog if you do take on a dog, it can become a part of your life and it's when something happens to a much-loved pet, it's, it literally is like a death in the family. Hi Patricia, I've got three dogs. Two of them now are getting on in life. I didn't have the foresight to have them insured when they were younger. Now I find myself in the position that I can't get insurance because one of them is 10 years of age and the other is going on 13. I've had to pay out over €1,000 last year alone to have one dog scanned, bloods done and an x-ray. This year, I've been quoted between 1400 and 2400 for an operation that another dog needs. Patricia, dog insurance or pet insurance is very important, particularly as the dog gets older. And as far as I know, you can't get insurance on a dog over 10 if you don't have them insured already. I wasn't aware of that. Actually, it's something we might ask Jane about, but it is it is important to have dog insurance pet insurance we'll try and find out roughly how much is uh, pet insurance on your dog and I suppose it's understandable why a pet insurance company wouldn't allow older dogs because it's the older dogs are the ones who are going to be most in need of uh, care so 
but you have to think about that as your dogs are getting older you might need to consider taking on pet insurance at an earlier age which again goes back to there's another cost involved when you're taking on a dog and that's something else that you need to consider a dog is for life thank you for that you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Thank you to Pat Infomoy who's contacted the programme. He wants to acknowledge and call out good service and good prompt service because we're all very good at ringing up and complaining if, if something has taken us too long on the phone or we're waiting on something. So it's always good to give credit where credit is uh, due. And he's got a couple of examples of good service that's ha- happened to him lately, including only on Monday of this week, he went to his uh, GP uh, for whatever was going on and the GP said you need to have an x-ray. So an appointment was made at the Living Health Clinic in uh, Mitchellstown. This was all on Monday. Pat said he got a call from them yesterday with an appointment for tomorrow Friday and he said it's on the public service before people jump in and say oh Pat and for my must be a private patient it's not it's on a public uh, service. So that was really quick from Monday need an x-ray the doctor says I'll set that up for you and he has the appointment for this Friday. Then he needed to get on to the COVID situation certificate helpline yesterday because he wants to have his COVID certificate in paper form. He doesn't want to do his business online. Now he does accept he was on hold for 45 minutes but he had the patience to stay on the line even though he said when he was listening to the message the message said he should only be waiting 6 minutes but he said it was 45 minutes in total. Anyway, he was on for 45 minutes spoke to a lovely person who eventually answered the phone to him and he explained what he wanted, his COVID certificate with his booster and all of that and they said absolutely not a problem, we will issue it to you but they did say to him you may be waiting there might be a bit of a delay with the post with the paper certificate but hang in there you've done everything you need to do and it'll be in the post to you as soon as possible lo and behold Pat was happy enough with that and was willing to wait said the post arrived this morning and his certificate was in the post this morning and he only rang them yesterday so there wasn't any delay at all and he said credit where credit is due and that needs to be good service that needs to be called out so well done to both it's the Department of Health isn't it is issuing the COVID certificates because there's a lot of people waiting on uh, COVID certificates but well done to Pat's doctor and also to living the Living Health Clinic in Mitchellstown that's an excellent service indeed and he doesn't give any mention of an antigen test so I take it at his GP practice they didn't ask for a negative antigen test which we are now hearing some GP practices, not all, but some GP practices are asking for that. And that was kicked off by uh, Mary, who thinks the cost side of it is unfair. If they want you to have a negative antigen test, could they not supply the antigen tests for free? And she reckons it may put some people off actually going to the uh, doctor. Now, before I get to other calls and comments coming in, Noreen has been on saying, Hi, Patricia, I'm just wondering if you and your listeners know of a family cycle taking place in Cork City this weekend. I can't seem to find any information on it, says Noreen. Anybody aware of a family cycle taking place in Cork City? If you have any details, can you get them into us so that we can pass them on to Noreen, please? 0818 103 103 or you can text or you can uh, WhatsApp. On dogs and the surrendering of dogs that we heard about with the Dogs Trust and then the cost involved with owning and loving a much-loved pet. Somebody was listing out the reasons why people might be turned off 
by getting dogs and one person cited the dog licence. It's €20 a year for a dog licence and somebody said that that was exorbitant was actually the word that they they used an exorbitant amount to pay for a dog licence. Well, Joan Kilmalik was listening to that and he feels that the dog licence should be even more expensive than €20 a week. He said we've got people walking their dogs, so-called responsible pet owners, walking their dogs and leaving their dog dirt on the street, on the footpath on our streets. They destroy areas where people don't clean up after their own dogs. So Joe, who is a dog owner, said he would have no problem at all paying much more for his dog licence every year. He would go so far as to say increase it to €100 Euro a year. But he says with that money, it needs to be reinvested into dog wardens and making sure that people clean up. So ring fence the money almost. But Joan Kilmalik says €20 is too little. He would pay €100 per dog. I don't know how everyone is going to feel or if everybody's going to agree with Joe on that. But that's his comment. Thank you for that, uh, Joe. Also in on dogs, we were talking about Getting pet insurance and I will ask Jane, by the way, if you've got questions for Jane, get them in. I will ask Jane about pet insurance. But Kay was saying afternoon, Patricia, regarding pet insurance, my dog required surgery for colon cancer last year. Now, Kay had pet insurance, but because he was just over seven years of age, Kay says, when you read the fine print of your pet insurance, I had to pay 35% of the cost myself. Also then on renewal, the cost has gone up. It was €350 per year and it's now gone up to €550 per year as he is now deemed high risk. But I'd advise responsible pet owners to try and maybe save a little every month, maybe in your local friendly credit union, in case any potential illnesses happen into the future. Kind regards, says Kay. So I didn't realise that it's it's different to health insurance where everybody gets their health insurance and the old and the young all pay the same uh, amount it seems it differs with pets I wasn't aware of that I thought once you started paying pet insurance at a young age and continue to pay it to be covered for everything but it doesn't look like that is the case thank you for your text uh, K on COVID testing at GP practices. Somebody says, delighted to hear that we need a COVID test before we can go to the GP. Great excuse not be able not to be able to go to the GP surgery, says somebody. Ha, ha, ha. And says, on funerals, and this is the showing of respect to funerals that we discussed earlier. I'm from County Tipperary, says Anne. And we were always taught to bless yourself when a funeral passes. Also on dogs, I agree with the lady on trying to secure a dog from a dog home. It is very difficult because they put so many checks and balances in place. I'd love to get another dog, but far too expensive to buy from a breeder. That's from uh, Anne. And on our interview with Mary Crilly, when we're talking about an increase in violence against women and even after everything that happened with Ashleen Murphy to hear of the case that happened here in Cork City. Only last weekend we had the case earlier in the week of the young 17-year-old in Kilkenny who fought off her attacker in broad daylight. And then there's a case out of Dublin of a woman who was attacked. I think it was in the Phoenix Park. A woman in her 50s was attacked uh, this week. A listener says, Patricia, I think the time for talking is over. The laws in this country are a joke. If these people who attack somebody were found convicted 
Now this is this listener saying they should be hung, drawn and quartered. The next person would think twice about attacking anybody else. So there is somebody advocating corporal punishment to be brought back in. I don't know what people's views on that would be, but your thoughts are welcome. And then on staying on GP practice, Kate says, hi Patricia, why is everybody talking about the need to visit your doctor when all you need most of the time is an appointment with a nurse? Certainly if you want to get blood tests done. I never got a blood test taken by a GP. It is far faster and quicker to deal with the practice nurse thanking you, says Kate. I think that's what happens in most GP practices. But I think Mary, who joined us, was saying she needed to both have bloods done and to see the doctor. And she was told to either get in to see the doctor or it would have been a practice nurse would have taken the bloods. She was still told she needed to have a negative antigen test. And it's obviously varying from GP practice to GP practice. Some GP practices are introducing it to try and keep everybody in the practice safe. So they're insisting that you can't go in without a negative antigen test. And then back to respects at funerals. Uh, uh, hi Patricia, my mother died in the early 1960s. She was from uh, the county town, uh, but she died in Cork City. On the way out of the city, my memory of us were, were, were people who were walking through the city. They walked back three steps as the hearse was passing them. I was only 12 years of age at the time and it still stands out in my mind the respect level for total strangers. They didn't know who this woman was, didn't know if it was a man or a woman in the hearse, but there was this complete respect. And isn't that something that happened in the early 60s in somebody who was only 12? Now, obviously, the death of your mother when you were 12 would, would definitely stand out in your mind, but that that memory stays with you, that level of respect that was shown by total strangers acknowledging your mum's passing and acknowledging your uh, loss. Thank you for that. Uh, Hi Patricia, respect for the dead has gone by a lot of people but what really annoys me and I'm wondering what other listeners feel the same are people who go to funeral homes for the removal talking and gossiping so loudly. Some of them can be so noisy. I feel for many who turn up at removals, they're just there to see who was there or to pick up all of the latest uh, gossip. I remember actually being at a funeral once and being in, sympathising with the family, and there was peals of laughter coming from outside. There was a group of people had, you know, obviously met up. They'd gone, I take it, and done their sympathies. But then they were chatting, but they were standing too close to the door. And I do remember thinking it was really, really uncomfortable. I was trying to sympathise with a friend of mine on the, I think it was the death of her dad. And there's this roaring laughter, you know, and, you know, I understand that people go and sympathise and, you know, they meet up with somebody. But if you could just move away from the door because the sound just fine summer's evening, the doors were wide open in the funeral home and the, the, the sound of the laughter, it just felt wrong. It felt wrong to be inside sympathising and these peals of laughter from outside. So people need to be need to reflect on that as well. If you do want to have your chat and have your laugh and want to meet other people, are you and, and you do often when you go to removals like that or funerals, you will often meet people that you may not have met up with in quite some time. And now certainly since the pandemic, that's something that's going to be happening. People will be seeing people for the first time in ages. If you need to share a little bit of news with uh, somebody, just move it away a little bit from the funeral home please. Thank you for your text to 0862103103 and there was a somebody much earlier and I'm only getting around to it now. My apologies this morning Patricia 
If you if a person has been identified as a close contact with COVID, how long does it take to for symptoms to appear if you have had it. Many thanks, Trish. Uh, stay uh, safe. Okay, well, it's hard to know. It seems to be seven days seems to be the new thing because I know for most close contacts, if you do have to restrict your movements, it's normally for seven days and they ask you over those seven days to take the three uh, antigen tests and these are for people who are close contacts who have been fully vac- vaccinated or didn't have a booster or doesn't have, have a full vaccine. So I'm assuming they're saying within seven days of you being a close contact with the person you could expect symptoms to appear. Having said that, I have heard of people who were back in the early days when people were completely restricting their movements when they were deemed uh, close contacts. I heard her. I have heard of people on day 10 suddenly testing positive. But it seems to be seven days is what they seem to be saying at the moment. So I take it you've been deemed a close uh, contact. But there's and I won't even get into the rules of close contact. I, I direct and I know everyone can't go online, but I direct everybody to go online because there's so many different rules and regulations now around close contacts because there's different types of close, close contacts. There's a close contact if you're living with somebody. There's a close uh, contact if you were working with somebody or you were just 15 minutes with somebody. There's different if your child is a close contact, if you're a close contact and you've had a booster, if you haven't had a booster, if you're vaccinated, if you're not fully vaccinated, if you only got your booster in the last seven days. So it's just, yeah, it's a bit of a mind field if you have been identified as a close contact. But hopefully if you've been identified as a close contact, you may be contacted by the HSE and they can talk you through it and you can ask all of the questions that you want there. 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. And a kind of the final push for the Ballonhassie Clothes Collection because it's wrapping up this weekend. They're raising funds for the Marion Hall car park and they are collecting clothes this evening from half six to 7.45 and then the final collection day is on Saturday between half two and four. All used clothes and shoes and towels. No duvets, no pillows please. Kildallery Community Development they've got their weekly lotto draw the local community office this afternoon at four. The jackpot there is €2,000. And bingo for tomorrow night, Friday. We've got bingo in the Mallow GAA complex. That's at 8.15. In Rathmore, bingo is back. That's at half past eight. In Kildallery, they've got a drive-in bingo that returns to the Creamer Yard in Kildallery tomorrow night. And that's got an eight o'clock start. And Ballinhasic Community Development Association, they're welcoming back social dancers to the Marion Hall in Ballinhasic tomorrow night, dancing to Dermot and Irene Ring. And it's from 9.30 to 12.30. Admission is €10 and teas will be served. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. And we are looking for your pet questions, uh, please. 
to uh, either to John Paul or you can text or WhatsApp them. Some of your texts uh, coming in on uh, different issues. Uh, this, well, this is related to dogs. Patricia, I walk in the Glantan area. Great footpaths in the area and the GAA pitch is fantastic to walk around. And uh, But people with dogs have absolutely no respect. There are clear signs up at the pitch saying no dogs allowed. And yet, says this listener, when you go for your walk, dog owners completely seem to ignore it. And that's not the dog's fault. The dog can't read the sign saying no dogs allowed. But the owners should be a bit more respectful and a bit more responsible. And that's unfair to be walking dogs around a GAA pitch because you're going to have adults and children training and playing various uh, sports. And the last thing you want is somebody you just hope if the, somebody is bringing their dog in there that they are being responsible and cleaning up uh, after them. On respected funerals, Patricia, people now are standing en route at, at funerals. This is one of the new customs that has come into this country due to the pan, banda, pandemic. And it does feel like we're going back to the good old days because that's what people used to do. They used to stop and let the hearse uh, pass. Uh, like the man said uh, earlier about the horse and cart type uh, funerals. It does feel like we're going back to old olden times. Will that custom remain? I wonder. Only time will tell. And then Robert says, Patricia, I just feel that I have to let you you know what I think about Robert Watts salary. I think it is a national scandal. Can, when you consider the terrible state of the health service, he should have experienced lying on a trolley in Cork University Hospital like I've had on several occasions. Kind regards, says uh, Robert. And this is who he's, he is referring to is uh, Robert Watt who was probably one of our top uh, civil servants and the news has just come out that he is in line for his four Fourth pay increase. If it goes ahead, it'll be his fourth pay increase later on this year. And if he gets that pay increase, his salary then will go over €300,000. It's just an incredible sum of money. And bearing that news is just breaking. And only yesterday on the Irish Examiner, they were talking about Robert Watt and the fact that his pay had increased for a third time on Monday of this week on St Bridget's Day. Robert Watt's salary went from 294,000 to 298,000. He's with the he's the secretary general at the Department of Health and I know Michael McGrath the public expenditure minister he's now established a review panel to examine how top civil servants are appointed and their terms and conditions uh, but this is also there is, is also likely to be another public sector pay deal and that's expected before October and if that goes ahead because he's a public sector worker he would also be included in that pay increase so that would have an impact on his pay and that could push his pay to over the three hundred thousand mark as Secretary General of the Department of Health it's, it's an incredible sum of money it really is again when you think it is within the Department of Health and of course that controversy has been rumbling on there's been a lot of talk about Robert Watts uh, pay over the last uh, week or so and of course I think it broke was it last weekend it broke that Robert Watt no I'm sure I'm sure he's aware of what's been said about him in the media here in Ireland but he's not in Ireland at the moment he is actually with Stephen Donnelly the health minister and they're in Dubai for a healthcare conference it's a health and wellness 
Expo that's going on in Dubai. I think it's something like, I was looking into this, it's a year-long expo that's running in Dubai. It had been cancelled a few times, I think, because of the uh, pandemic. But it was decided that the Robert Watt, the Department of Health Secretary-General, along with the Minister for Health, would attend. And they are, I think they're still in Dubai. I don't think they're back uh, yet. And they didn't fly first class or anything like that. But people were questioning and wondering with everything that's going on in this country within the Department of Health, should the Minister, along with the head person, the Secretary General, should both of them be on their way, uh, should they have gone to Dubai at all? 0818103103. Keep your calls coming in to uh, John Paul. Somebody says on funerals, I don't think we should be having the removals anymore, just the funeral mass. I feel it's much more dignified. That's happening now in a lot of places. A lot of places are doing away with the removal and you just go straight to the church. And and not every family likes that. Families like the idea of the removal. But if you just have the funeral mass and just the one service, it's put a lot of pressure then on the families to to have to sympathise, you know, with people coming because we're, we're great for funerals. I don't know if we're back to, are we back to the days of the really large uh, funerals now that there's no limits on the number of people can attend uh, funerals? I don't know what's happening at the moment, but uh, there was the one thing about the removal. It sort of it broke up the numbers who wanted to sympathise with the with the person, with the bereaved uh, family. So I don't know, but that is, that is again, that's becoming a common practice. And I think it'll become more common because we won't have as many priests available to be, to attend to removals and to attend to the funeral mass. So you will find more and more, it'll just be straight to the church, which happens in other countries, certainly in England, that they don't, I don't think anywhere in the UK, they do removals straight to the church and then the funeral is held uh, afterwards. Uh, and this is from Nora in Newmarket. They don't even allow their dog poo in the churchyard and leave it there to clean up, I suppose that is. Oh God, Nora. The, in the churchyard in Newmarket, you're saying people allow their dogs to do their business and then don't clean up after them. That's absolutely uh, shameful. 0862 103 103. Let's take a break and we'll come back with uh, Jane Pickett answering any of your pet questions. Get them into us, please. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And we're going to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joins us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And a, t- a query that came in earlier, and I said we would put it to you, I was talking about Dogs Trust and the fact that so many dogs have been surrendered since Christmas, which is a really sad, sad state of affairs. But that then led to responsible pet ownership and the need to have pet insurance. Uh, somebody was on about her, one of her dogs needing a very expensive operation. Somebody, another dog needed to be scanned and blood tests and x-rays done. And she hadn't had pet insurance. And as the dogs were over 10, you can't get pet insurance unless you've been, is that correct? Unless you've always had pet insurance, you can't suddenly get pet insurance when a dog is 10. It's a little bit difficult. It varies quite widely from company to company at what age they'll exclude an initial, initial, initial kind of registration for insurance being made. Normally, if the pet is insured, I suppose, ideally, uh, you know, as soon as you get it young in life, it's very rare the companies would, let's say, they'd reach a certain age, let's say 10, for example, and that the company would no longer um, honour their insurance. Now, every company is different and it's really important to read the small print, the terms and conditions of your specific policy, because unfortunately, there's no kind of, there's no information that's, um, let's say, a one size fits all with these and they are very, very personal. I would say, you know, if you do want to get your older dog insured, be aware that most companies would exclude pre-existing conditions. And I suppose that that's only fair. You're insuring for the unforeseen, not for the, the current issues, as it were. But there are still merits in getting it done, particularly, let's say, if it was a, a 10-year-old cat. They may still have many years um, out of mileage on the road and I suppose certain health issues accompanying old age that may come along with it. So it may be worth ringing around a number of different companies and see if they have a product that suits you. But in general, pet insurance, I would say these days is, is pretty much becoming a must. Um, with the kind of range of treatments and options that are available for pets and range of investigations and the, the modern equipment that's available now, more is available for your pet both to diagnose it and to treat it than there ever was before and it's really you know in the uh, how modern veterinary medicine is is increasing at uh, you know a really really quick speed so obviously as things become more modern the technical technology and the kind of associated skills you know, there's, there's quite a lot of costs associated with that um, on the veterinary practice side. So obviously we want to make veterinary medicine kind of uh, and veterinary care attainable for every pet. But obviously, you know, the more modern end of things, it can become quite expensive just due to the input. So having pet insurance so that you can offer your pet the best option for them or the best investigations for them is a real kind of lifesaver and it takes the weight and anxiety of the financial aspects of it off you when you know you do have a bit of a rough time if your pet is ill unwell has an accident the last thing you want to be worrying about is finance and you really just want to be able to focus on your pet so I really would recommend getting insurance Yeah and I, I couldn't get over when the when the initial text came in I did a quick Google search while the news was on I, I couldn't get over the amount of companies that are offering pet insurance in this country yeah and i think i would just kind of say a word of warning as a vet i can't really recommend one over another for legal reasons but what i will say is 
I would maybe say the companies that have maybe been there a little bit longer. I know in this country we have a bit of a history of, of pet insurance companies coming and going and then the associated policies maybe becoming invalid as the company goes bust. So maybe look towards ones that have a bit of stability and longevity behind them. But also it's really important to try and get a policy that's going to you know help your pet longer term. So what I always say to people is have a look online, make yourself aware of what's out there. But the best thing you can do is ring these people up and ask them the question, yeah. say, if my if my dog gets a long-term disease, and I normally say use diabetes as, a, as an example, if my dog gets diabetes, will you pay for its treatment until it dies? And if you if they say to you, yes, we'll cover that as an ongoing cost, then you know that's probably a good policy to go with. If they say no, we'll exclude it after a year, then I'd I'd probably start running a mile. Okay, so, so it's a little really bit like health insurance. You need to do the research on it and make sure that you exactly. are you are you are covered. All right. But worth certainly worth the investment because some of the operation, particularly if it's an accident, can be astronomical. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. They really can run into the multiple thousands now. Let's say if a dog had a car trauma and it needed extensive surgery, you could be getting up towards six, eight, ten thousand if you wanted, let's say, specialist referral and all of the treatments that will be available. Obviously, it's very dependent on what would have happened to that poor little pet, let's say, for example, in a car accident. But, you know, that that's kind of the scope of what's out there, which is brilliant for the pets at this point because we can offer them so much. But it does come at an associated cost just due to the skills and equipment required. Mm. And like humans, pets are living, we're living longer, so are our pets. Thankfully, mm-hmm. thankfully. OK, straight into questions. Eileen Infomoy has two cats. It's a one-year-old and the one and a half and the other is nine uh, months. The one and a half-year-old is not neutered. The nine-month-old is neutered, both male they're pulling the fur off each other constantly at it. It almost sounds like play fighting, but it isn't quite play fighting. But they seem to be nibbling at each other and pulling the fur off each other. Why would they be doing that? OK, there's a number of reasons here. If it was, let's say, kind of one cat grooming another very peacefully calm. And I suppose the, the indicators of that would be two little calm cats lying down together. Or maybe one cat is grooming another in the same way that you'd see them cleaning and grooming themselves. Then that may be kind of a, a nurturing, nursing behaviour. And that can actually be quite normal. Um, if it's a little bit more on the aggressive side and you do actually see them pulling at tugs of fur, it can be two things. It can be avert aggression so all is not well in the cat relationship and one cat is becoming very aggressive towards the other or sometimes both against each other or it can be a a kind of a dominance behavior so it can be one cat kind of trying to assert its dominance over the other cat in the little cat hierarchy of the household now what i will say is if it's anything of the latter two so kind of avert aggression or a kind of a dominance behavior one cat kind of trying to you know make themselves the the top of the pecking order then it's really important to have a look at the environment that they're in and try and make it as peaceful for the cats as you can. With cats, they're very resource-based. They care about having their territory, their access to food, their access to water, and their access to a human, and also their access to a toilet. They're kind of their basic needs. And if cats have to tussle or fight over these basic needs, whether it be a a litter tray that they have to share or only two litter trays and they both prefer the same one, or let's say they're being fed together and they don't feel quite comfortable with that, 
or even if they're just not getting enough individual time with their designated human, then, you know, they really can start to target the other little cat. Cats are actually designed to be solitary territorial creatures. So having a multi-cat household, although some cats adapt really, really well and like having a buddy and company around, by their very nature, multi-cat households uh, tend to be challenging. There tends to be a degree of stress there, certainly at some points, not always. So I would say make sure that you always have one more litter tray than the amount of cats you have. So you have two cats, make sure you have at least three litter trays. Make sure that your cats, if maybe trial a period of putting their food and water out of a line of sight of each other so that they can eat and drink peacefully apart from each other and certainly not from the same dish. And try and spend just kind of equal time with both of them so that they both feel that, let's say, their their need to just spend time with the, their kind of human companion is is met. I think it's really making sure that they don't have to compete for resources and they're both content and as least stressed as possible. It may help you help, help things to settle down. OK, and somebody says, I just don't, I can't remember what the question or the query was with regard to this. But hi, just to let you know, I took Jane's advice and started taking my dog for a walk for him more than me, with the result that a walk that used to take less than an hour, we're now out for an hour and a half every day. But at least he's happy and it's signed worn worn out dog walker Uh, and obviously that was somebody a dog that was bored or whatever looking for looking for more stimulation Oh, that, that's lovely to hear. I think a lot of the time, uh, if we get kind of caught up in the idea of I'll go out for a half an hour power walk with my dog to get some exercise in, you know, although they're they're walking and the exercise is good for them, they really need that mental fulfillment of, you know, going on a bit of a sniff and looking at the area around them. And that's just much more min- mental stimulation for them. So sometimes that can really help. And it sounds like it might have in this situation. So that's, that's brilliant. Sean wants to know, is it okay to put in boiled or mashed potatoes to feed a dog or as part of a dog's diet? Is it okay to give a dog potatoes? Oh, in very small amounts. But to be honest, I'd struggle to think of a reason why you'd need to. Um, I would normally recommend for dogs and cats a, a complete commercial diet is going to be the safest thing to feed them. And that's because we need to make sure that they're getting the right balance of vitamins, minerals, proteins, fats, and, you know, organising the right vitamins, minerals, proteins and fat in the right ratio for your pet and their life stage. You know, we're not all nutritionists and we can't be expected to be. So I'd say trust trust the professionals and use a, a kind of a really good quality commercial diet and have a chat with your pet about the, what they'd recommend. But in small amounts, if your pet is very fond of a bit of mashed potato, it shouldn't do any major harm. But one thing I'd warn against is adding kind of butteriness to it. So let's say the mashed potato we might have on our own table. Butter can be, I suppose, on the higher end of the fat content. And that can sometimes trigger trigger tummy upsets such as pancreatitis in some dogs. So I'd be a little bit wary of that. OK, a one-year-old Labrador advice piece constantly pulling on the lead. Would a harness help? A harness can help. But uh, what I'd say is I I generally recommend harnesses for most puppies because they're a little bit more secure um, and you have a bit more control of them, let's say, in public situations whilst they're getting used to being, let's say, social and around other dogs. So you could change to a harness, but I don't think that's going to be a kind of a magic bullet for your problem, certainly. 
it's going to take some time. You need to work on getting your dog to kind of pay attention to you. So kind of looking to you for instruction rather than just trying to pull you off in the direction of what they want to go towards. And certainly, like I was saying, with little sniff walks, you know, sometimes taking them, letting them have the initiative to go and sniff something is fine. But if you want to have a dog that walks easily on the lead and is a comfortable experience for you and your dog, you need to try and bring the attention back to you. I would say if you're struggling at this stage and it's making things uncomfortable, getting a recommendation for a dog trainer or veterinary behaviorist from your local vet will be the way to go. Um, and really just trying to maybe shift the focus to yourself. So if your dog is pulling on the lead, maybe bring it back to you and give them a command for sit or stay so that the focus returns to you. Give them some positive reinforcement and then try and resume your walk. So if they have got the groundwork of sit, stay, lie down as basic commands, then brilliant. Use those to your advantage to get the attention back to you. If you haven't got those commands nailed down and they're not sorted, then that would be my first protocol. Okay, Joe has an older dog, it's a sheepdog cross, unsure of its age, but it's certainly well over 10 years of age. Uh, wondering, could it be arthritis? He seems to be a bit stiff when he, when he gets up, but he's walking fine, out running and everything. And then he noticed this week he's licking his front paws. Could that be a sign of arthritis? Mm, it could indeed so kind of stiffness when rising from recumbency is one of the key pointers that will point us towards arthritis and very much like humans sometimes we can loosen up a little bit once we get going Um, but generally the discomfort will always be there we do appreciate kind of licking over joints and licking at feet as a, a kind of an indicator of discomfort in our pets as well so if you've noticed that I would suggest you take a, a trip to your vet with this little pet make your vet aware of what you've noticed as regards this discomfort at home and most importantly kind of the recent licking at his paws because there's other things that can cause licking of paws for example itchiness um, so your vet will be able to do a full physical exam and kind of assess the range of motion of, of, of your dog's joints and might potentially suggest some further investigation or might even suggest some initial treatment if it, if it is the case of arthritis. So I think have a chat with your vet about this one, get your dog seen for an appointment. And there's lots of things that we can do to make older dogs feel comfortable in the case of arthritis. So it's really, really worth pursuing because we can make their quality of life. Yeah, it is. Much, that was the, the end part of, the, of Joe's question was, is it treatable? It absolutely is. OK, absolutely. we'll leave it there. Uh, Jane, have a lovely week. And we'll chat chat again next week. Uh, Jane Pickett, Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Okay, that's where I leave you for today. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Thanks to John Paul for producing Nick Richards with you until tomorrow at 10. I'm Patricia Messenger. Very good afternoon. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.